When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. fans and welcome to another episode of Bulls HQ, a Chicago Bulls podcast on the Blue Wire Sports Podcasting Network. Thank you for joining me again this week as we inch ever so close to the NBA season and unfortunately for us Bulls fans, we've become all too familiar with conflating the upcoming NBA season with some injury news and I say that of course as it was announced last Thursday that so for more forward Chandler Hutchinson has sustained a hamstring injury and has such been ruled out indefinitely. This obviously sucks for Hutchinson, who missed a good chunk of his rookie season through injury. But for us fans too, it's not the news we want to be hearing in the lead up to a new NBA season. And I wish I had better news to discuss with my guest today. You all know him from his own Bulls podcast, Ball on Bulls. And more recently, as one third of the Bulls outsiders, he's big Dave Watson and he's joining me now. Dave, thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for having me, my friend. I appreciate it. It's been something I've wanted to do for, for quite some time, and I feel kind of bad for it playing out this way, although the fact that we're up to episode 86, I think, of Bulls HQ, and I haven't had you on, so forgive me for doing that, mate, but I've always wanted to have you on because I've always, in my own mind, um, I, when I read your tweets or when I listen to you on on your podcast or on The Outsiders, I, I like to refer to you, uh, internally at least, as the uh, the sane version of C. Red Fred. <laughs> <laughs> I say that because um, you're typically one of the more optimistic Bulls fans going about there at at the moment, I would say, and I like your positive spit on things, but I feel like I'm more confident in you persuading me to the uh, the lighter side of things than our friend uh, Fred, so I like to call you the same C-Ray Fred. I I mean that as a compliment, by the way. Oh, oh, I take it as nothing but a compliment. (laughs) It's it's something I've actually told to Fred, because Fred... (laughs) I tell him all the time, he and I are always on the same road, but then yeah. we come to that part, you know, where it's a fork in the road, and Fred keeps <laughs> going straight, and, and and I like to get off. I'm like, nope, this is the exit, I'm off, I'm gone. You know, like, Fred, don't you want to get off with me? No, I'm going to keep going, Dave, I'm going to keep going, and that's exactly what it is. Like, for me, it's it's logical optimism, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's okay to be positive about it, but I'm not ridiculous about it, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I get you. You're smart enough to hit the brakes, whereas Fred's driving over that cliff. So, uh... <laughs> oh, man. Yes, he is. He definitely is. But I love <laughs> but look, him, man. But uh, look, I'm glad you're on. But uh, look, as I said from the outset, I wish you were on 
under better circumstances because we got handed the news on Thursday, actually, just before the Bears game even, that uh, Chandler, Chandler Hutchinson had sustained a hamstring injury. There wasn't too much news surrounding it, I suppose, other than he was ruled out indefinitely, which isn't great. So uh, I, I guess it's not the news we want to be hearing. I know a lot of fans at least have, have mentioned to me in my mentions or through DMs or whatever it may have been that it's not necessarily a, a major thing to worry about given it's only a hamstring injury. It's not a serious injury. It might be a three- to four-week injury depending on the severity, I suppose. But at the same time, Hutchinson missed the bulk of his rookie season, I guess, through injury, was only just coming back, and you, you never really like to hear a young player missing time to uh, to injury, time that they could be spending in the gym and getting better at their game, something Hutchinson obviously needs to be doing. So, I don't know. Do, do, how do you feel about this injury more generally? Because like I just said, you're you're one of the more optimistic Bulls fans. When I heard the news, I was a bit devastated because, uh, as I typically am, maybe because um, I guess... Uh, comparing it to what we sort of had to go through with Larry at this time last year. Again, mm. I just didn't want to see another incident, even though Chandler Hutchinson isn't necessarily the same level of player. But how did you take the news? Um, kind of a here we go again uh, thing. I I understand people being sad and, and upset about it because of what you what we typically go through with this team. Like It seems like every year at the start of camp, something like this occurs whether it's uh, self-inflicted like Bobby Portis and Nico or whether it's just a freak accident like you mentioned with Laurie Marketing, or whether it's um, not being informed on the injury like Denzel Valentine. Um, so when we, heard, when we hear words like uh, indefinitely, that's a com- sadly a common word, you know what I'm saying, among Bulls yeah. fans. So we're used to hearing that. Now, it reinforced – something I'll continue to say, and I will always keep saying that the entire training staff and medical staff should be gone. I've been saying this for a couple years. Like they are the common denominator outside of guard packs. Of course they are the common denominator as to why I keep complaining about something when, you know, these guys could just continually get hurt and continually have these injuries. Like I don't understand how they have that kind of resume and continue to stick around. Cause that's actually something that, uh, the front office can control. They can say, you know, you guys can go home. I know guard packs is, you know, a whole nother issue. But those guys, they can be replaced. You can bring in better medical people, you know, when your key uh, uh, people, when your key players continue to get hurt and continue to go down. So when I heard it, it was more of the same for me and just was like, you know, can we please do something about this staff? And it and it's honestly it probably not isn't even their fault. I'm just tired of injuries, and I'm I'm just sick of injuries. Now, they say it's a hamstring injury. You know, I get it, but like you said, when you hear that word out indefinitely, we don't know what it means. Because if you remember last year, Denzel Valentine was supposed to be out of a week or two, and, yeah. and then that turned into an entire season. You know, so I I don't know what it is. I'm I'm not you know going crazy yet. You know, what I'm saying a tripping. My first thought when I saw was. You know what? It's uh, uh, training camp starts at the beginning of October. We'll see what he looks like if in a month. If he's still not doing anything in a month, then I will understand everybody's panic and and everybody you know wanting to go crazy about it. So I'll, I'm just gonna wait until that training camp comes around in October and see where we're, where we're at there. But I definitely want that staff going. I want them out of here, man. Like today. Yeah, I mean that's a really good point actually because in the. Uh... The, or the postseason presser that Paxton ran, I think one of the things that he mentioned was the fact that he would like to see the Bulls players back into Chicago in their own building as soon as possible to have them training under the 
under the guise of their training staff, obviously their medical staff too. And obviously they, a lot of them have been back for a while, but I think things officially kicked off, not necessarily training camp, but a lot of them were back pretty much last week. And, and we get this news that uh, Hutchinson blows out his uh, his hamstring. So that's not ideal, particularly if he did it in Chicago's building, which I guess sort of lends to your point that what's going on from a training staff, from a medical staff perspective, I mean, like you said, this could have been something that's not avoidable. It could have been, it could have pinged anyway. Right. But uh, still, yeah, it, it's, I, I understand your pain in that regard. But I guess the reason why it was slightly concerning to me is because it's it's sort of proved, uh, not proved, but we already thought that the Bulls' wing depth was going to be a problem heading into the season. And to, to sort of see one of the guys that is typically going to figure in that rotation get hurt already. And like you said, Denzel missed basically all of last year, despite it starting off as a, I guess, somewhat of a smaller injury. At least mm-hmm. that's what we thought it was going to be. Right. But now seeing the same thing with Hutchinson, who is probably going to be the backup three, maybe right. the backup two, depending on the rotation. Mm-hmm. To see him hurt now, it kind of just makes that wing depth issue become more prominent than what it seems. So I guess that's where my concern lies more than yeah. than Hutchinson himself. I guess if I know that I know that kind of sounds a little bit evil, but uh, that, that, that's where sort sort of no. my uh, my feelings were about the situation. No, you're right to feel that way because that is definitely the concern is that wing depth, and not even that. We saw last year that he actually can play some four, like actually eat up some minutes at the four. Like if anything crazy happens, I'm not saying he's going to be out there, you know, be, being a world beater or anything like that at that position, but. He can hold. He was holding his own at that four position when he was out there playing in that rotation. So playing three positions on this team and a guy who can do that is very important because a team that is lacking depth in that one wing department, like he, you know that he was what he was going to come in and do as far as you know where he could play and who he was going to play off of. Um, coming in to help Denzel Valentine, coming help to even help Kobe White, like even developing some kind of little chemistry with him in the summer league is helpful. You know, those little things are helpful. So Kobe can recognize already how he moves and how he does his thing and and the game he needs to work on and things like that. So you already saw he put on some size. If you saw him in the summer league, he got a little bit bigger. He was working on some moves, you know, that he was trying to get better at. So, yeah, you don't want to see this. It's definitely a setback. So when you start off with Wendell Carter Jr. having surgery and then you hear that this man is going to be out indefinitely because of a hamstring, a hamstring's, you know, linger like i don't i don't want to get uh yes to doom doom and gloom on it but hamstrings definitely linger they only get better with rest like they don't get better when you just keep playing on them so and that's the second lower lower leg injury for him also because last year you know he hurt his foot and boiling for some reason (laughs) wanted him to keep playing on that foot and he had the best game he had ever had and then was out for the rest of the year so yeah it's, it's just so interesting and it's so weird um that we keep going through little things like this, but I'm not going to freak out. I'm just, I just can't bring myself to, (laughs) I can't, I can't bring myself to do that just yet because nothing has started yet and nothing is solid. And, and it also helps because I know, like you uh, said, he's, he's kind of, he's the, he's a bench player, you know, he's not Laurie marketing. You know, I freaked out when it was Laurie marketing. I was like, no, you know what I'm saying? That I don't want to hear. So hearing that, okay. I'm like, okay, he's going to be out. We got to get better at some depth. Um, maybe there's some other guys that they might have their eye on that they could bring up. Like those things you can kind of patch until he comes uh, back. So, But you don't want to see it because he's part of that uh, eight-man rotation that 
you know, off, to start it off. Yeah, definitely. And look, that's why I called you the Saiyan C Red Fred, because he made good points. We probably shouldn't be going off the deep end just yet, because, you know, he may be back by training cap. He might be back by the start of the season, but you made another good point, the fact that hamstrings typically tend to linger if they're not treated properly. I mean, they can pop yeah. pretty easily again. So yeah, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully it's not too much of an issue. But whilst this sucks for Chandler Hutchinson, uh, more broadly, again, I want to touch on the wing situation, but what, what, how do you feel about the ball sort of in this day and age where the league is hell-bent on playing as many as, as many wings as possible, sometimes three, sometimes even four wings on the court at one time, the Bulls kind of only have four guys that you could trust in a rotation on their roster, really. And obviously, Chandler Hutchinson being one of them. But the way, I guess, the Bulls have gone about countering that is by bringing in a whole bunch of point guards with some of those guards, you know, sliding up to the two, sliding up to the three. Uh, Tomas Sadoransky, he can play some two, he can play some three. Kobe White will probably play more two, in my opinion, than point guard. Mm. Shaq Harrison, who we'll talk about a little bit later on, he, he'll probably play some two and three. He won't be playing exclusively point guards. So I, I, that's the way they've kind of gone about it. But how do you feel about the Bulls sort of countering this league going to big dominant wings all over the park? Maybe not necessarily dominant. That's maybe a bit of a stretch on my part. But having threes or four sized guys at across two or three positions where the Bulls are sort of gone having, having point guards, maybe some shooting guards scaling up to that small forward maybe even power forward position how do you feel about that approach oh i can't say that i'm against it uh because i haven't seen it yet so i can't Mm -hmm. say whether i'm why i like it or i hate it i do like the people they got i do like the people they have and another guy we keep we always forget to mean thaddeus young he's another one um that we bring in you know for that kind of help on that on that wing playing that three and playing that four so i don't i don't know it's that's a great question because like you said, the league is going a whole different way, and the Bulls are like, yeah, we're going to try this one out and see how it works because nobody's really a pure point guard on our team that we have. There's no real just, like, you're a point guard. That's it. That's what you do. You run point. There's no, like, Kyrie Irving, you know what I'm saying, run on our team right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Kobe, Kobe White, obviously, he's trying to develop into that point guard, but he's not a pure point guard. And that's okay. I don't, I don't mind that. That's, that's okay because there's no one way to win. Like, once somebody wins a certain kind of way, just like any other league, everybody's going to, you know, be a copycat of that and try to do it that way. So I am i don't mind them trying something new, seeing how it goes, seeing how it works. If this improves the scoring, if this improves the defense, you know, if this, if this allows Lloyd Marketing, you know, to have that big year three that in my mind that he's going to have, if this helps Zach Levine become that all-star that I believe he sh- he's going to be, if this helps Wendell Carter grow in his game, you know, then I'm all for it. I'm okay with it. I, I don't have any issue with it, but it is strange because the purest point guard you have is Chris Dunn, and he he's not the best at that position at all. So it's very interesting, to, and I just can't wait to see it. Even in the preseason, I can't wait to see it and, and how it's going to look because – Unlike football, you can't really mask what you're going to do in the preseason in basketball because you've got to run those plays. And it doesn't matter if anybody sees them coming or not because it's basketball. You know, like you're going to have to run those plays. You're going to have to see how it's going to work. Everybody's going to have to get acclimated to the offense and the play calling and things like that. So I also like the fact that and also another reason I feel this way, I would say, is because of the assistant coaches they brought in. So I trust Chris Fleming. Like, I trust him. Like, the things I saw him do in Brooklyn, especially for D'Angelo Russell, who also is not a 
pure point guard guy. Like, he can play the two. But what he did for him at that position, out of nowhere, D'Angelo Russell was running that team and was an all-star last year. And and deservedly so. He was quite awesome. So, and just to look how that team moved, and they had just a, you know, a bunch of big guys that had some nice wings, you know, in LeVert. They had Joe Harris. Uh, I can't remember my man with the Afro's name, but his Afro is amazing. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, they, they had Ed Davis. You know, they had guys – that, you know, were big and, and they had that depth at those positions, but nobody was really pure at, you know what I'm saying, at playing just one particular position outside of Ed Davis. So, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see it because I trust Chris Fleming. I trust Roy Rogers. So I'm interested to see what it looks like and how it's going to work. It's interesting there that you mentioned that you trust the assistant coaches, but not necessarily Jim Boylan. So, oh, uh, he, no, he hasn't he hasn't earned that yet. Like, he has to good. earn the trust. I'm glad you said that. I'm glad and, you said that. I tell I say this all the time about Jim Boylan. Jim, I want to feel about Jim Boylan the coach the same way I feel about Jim Boylan the man. Yeah. Because I love Jim Boylan as the man. He is an awesome individual. Matt and I got a chance to meet him and speak to him for like twenty minutes. Incredibly engaging, uh, straightforward, straight shooter. Like he we we had a conversation when we were talking about you know starting as Bulls outsiders and Matt was saying other things that we we should have and we should be doing. And I said to Matt, I was like, well, no, dude, we got to earn it. This is our first year. Like, we ain't, they shouldn't give us anything. Like, we got to earn this. Jim Boylan looked at me and he said, now that's what I like to hear. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, so, you know, that's that's the stuff Jim Boylan likes is, you know, yeah. that grit, that grind and that kind of thing, man. And he's just very personable and engaging and wonderful person. But I don't feel that same way yet about him as a coach because I watched him last year. When you have four people on the court and you don't recognize that Felicio is in the backcourt, who's the biggest <laughs> dude on your team, yeah. he's, and he's back there and you're at half court. Well, you're not supposed to be. You're at half yeah. court <laughs> coaching and you don't recognize you only have four people on the court. That's a problem. When Doc, yeah. Rip, when Doc Rivers and the Phoenix Suns coach don't like you. That's a problem. Coaching is a fraternity. When Doc Rivers is like, yeah, I've never seen anything like that ever. Doc Rivers has been around basketball since since he was like three years old. Like, you know what I'm saying? He's like, no, I've never seen anything like this before. When the when the uh, Phoenix coach walks out on you, doesn't he want to shake your hand? Like, you know what I'm saying? Because it's your fault and things you did. And, of course, when I don't even want to get into the, you know, things he says, because some of those you're like, what are you talking about, man? But, yeah, he has to earn it first for me. Like, the same way – he wants his players to earn it. He's going to have to do the same thing. He has to earn it. Now, Chris Fleming and Roy Rogers have earned it. I've watched it. I saw it. They did it. They earned it. So I can't put that faith in you and the faith in the three-year contract when I ain't seen you do it yet. So when he does it, I promise you, I will be riding for him because I love him as a human being. No, nah, fair enough, man. I mean, that was a, that was an impassionate speak, and I'm glad I uh, I'm proud of myself for finding that little spot in you that got that passion to come out. That was, that was awesome. That was a great rant. <laughs> and, and look, I totally agree. This is not a pro Jim Boylan podcast, and um, <laughs> so, but having said that, I'm prepared to um, I'm prepared to rework that if he does prove himself this upcoming season because he I've said this a couple times, but he holds the keys to this season as to how good or bad this Bulls team will be. So hopefully, he's ready to uh embrace some change and listen to those assistant coaches but coming back to that wing position because I think this is going to be critical for the ball season as well do you think maybe not now given that Hutchinson may be back for training camp maybe back for the start of the regular season but assuming this 
what's the comeback, be it for Chandler Hutchinson or even Otto Porter or Zach Levine, who in their in their past as well have had injury concerns. So hopefully, fingers crossed, nothing happens to those two guys because right. the Bulls definitely need them. But if something like this was to happen early in the season, be it to Hutchinson, Valentine, or fingers crossed, not Porter or Levine, mm-hmm. do you think that escalates a potential Chris Dunn trade in the sense that the Bulls have five point guards on the roster. It seems like the Bulls have been doing all they can to move on from Dunn already. Right. If they were to lose a wing early in, in uh, through injury and try to sort of force some of their point guards into that shooting guard position or even small forward, do you think that escalates the potential trading of Dunn to someone else to bring in a, a similar, uh, yeah, I guess a similar wing in, this, in terms of stature around the league? Um. It definitely kicks it into overdrive. Um, yeah, I think. I think. I think they're already looking for, or have been looking for, uh, uh, trade partners for Chris Dunn. But you know, the Bulls they they want they just want to make the right deal, and that's usually something. That is something I usually give them credit for. Is you know, eight times, nine times out of ten, they're they're gonna make a, the right deal. Now there are plenty of examples of them not. Of course, you know, you could look at bringing Cameron Payne in here, <laughs> things like that. Like they're pretty examples of them making you know bad decisions on the trade, but. I trust them because they eight or nine times out of ten they they do a very solid job of getting stuff back and I'm like okay I don't know how they pulled that off but that's pretty good or you know these little shrewd moves you know to clear three uh, extra three mil or extra two mil and things like that I like that I like I like those things they do but so I, I guarantee you that's probably the hold up on Chris Dunn because that's the only logical reason to me as to why he would still be on this team he. I mean, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't even know if I should go over it. <laughs> like the things he did last year. You were just scratching your head and saying, what's going on? And it doesn't bring me any pleasure to speak ill of Chris Dunn because I was a huge Chris Dunn fan coming yeah. out of college. And I was big when he got and uh, I mean, when we got him, I was, oh, man, I was going crazy. I was like, yes, we got a point guard. Chris Dunn is awesome. He made an incredible pass in, Min- in Minnesota. I still haven't forgotten that because I've never seen anyone do this pass. and. I was like, he's going to come here. He's already got chemistry with Zach Levine. You know what I'm saying? He could build something with Laurie. All right, bet. This is going to be great. And then I realized that he didn't have the one thing that I love my point guards to have, and that's that huge brain. And he didn't have that. He, he runs one play, and that's that pick and roll. He can run that pick and roll to death. And that's it. Now, after that, he, he really has got nothing for you. You know, he can't run an offense. He can't point out where everybody needs to be. He can't see three plays ahead. He can't look down that court and make that right play. You know, like those things bother me, you know, as a point guard. And it, and it showed uh, last year more so than the previous year. Because in the previous year, I'm also going to say, you know, he had more room to operate because it was all on him. And it could be all on him. So he can make up for some of those mistakes by just, you know, scoring and, you know, coming through in the clutch, which he did a lot that season in the fourth quarter. But. When I just need somebody to be that point guard and say, oh, Laurie marketing has got a six-foot-tall dude on him. Maybe I should get him the ball in the post. And no, nah, and he says, he says, nah, I'm going to take this three. And, and you know, <laughs> that that's dro- drove me insane watching that, man. It drove me insane watching him not give Laurie the ball in the post. And and that's why I loved Otto Porter Jr. so much when he came in because he immediately recognized, oh, you have a seven-foot-tall, talented dude down here. Let me clear everybody out and give him the basketball. Like, yes, Otto, yes. Thank you very much for doing that. So that drove me crazy about Chris Dunn, saying I didn't know that if I knew that they wanted me to work on my shot, I would have worked in my shot in the offseason. That's that's a crazy thing to say. Um, I started off having his kid, you know what I'm saying, taking those couple of days off, which I have no problem with 
but then coming back and getting hurt immediately. And then mm, you're out yeah, for like four yeah. to six weeks again. Yeah. So yeah, all those things added up. It just was a terrible season, but it also showcased the shortcomings that he has for the offense that they're trying to run. Like you can't be that kind of point guard and be starting in this league. You just can't, you can't be that way. Um, Coming off the bench, he'd be great, but I'm sure he doesn't want to come off the bench. So if you don't want to come off the bench, then I'm, you know, going to get rid of you. I'm going to try to find a, you know, a, a, a way to get myself a trade and get back what we need in here. So I think the Bulls are just waiting to find that trade that they like, and then they'll make it. But definitely if something, God forbid, if something happens, you know, to one of those players, oh, yeah, it, it's going to kick into overdrive as far as Chris Dunn and, and uh, getting him out of here. Yeah, 100%. It, it just it just reads like the Bulls aren't interested in keeping him. It seems like he's waiting to be gone almost, which I guess kind of sucks for him. But it doesn't look like the Bulls are bringing him back next season on a new deal. Obviously, he's entering the fourth year of his rookie contract, doesn't have an extension on the table already. So it would seem like there's going to be a parting of ways at some point. It's just probably a matter of time, but I just wonder if a, an injury maybe escalates that. It probably will, but hopefully we don't get to that situation. But another bull that will be, I guess, parting ways with the team is Antonio Blakeney. I want to talk about that in a second, but before we do, let's tell the listeners about this week's sponsors. Every guy looks better and feels more confident when he puts on a suit, but there's one problem. Guys just keep buying generic off-the-rack suits. That's why Blue Wire is pumped to partner with Indochino for an amazing deal on a new suit. Indochino is the world's leading made-to-measure menswear company. They make suits and shirts to your exact measurements for an unparalleled fit and comfort. Looking to get married? They have tons of options for those looking to outfit their wedding party. It's so easy to get started. Visit a stylist at one of Indochino's 50 showrooms in North America and have them take your measurements personally or measure at home yourself and shop online at Indochino.com. This week, Bulls HQ listeners can get any premium Indochino suit for just $369 at Indochino.com when entering Blue Wire at checkout. Plus, shipping is free. That's Indochino.com promo code BLUEWIRE for any premium suit for just $369 and free shipping. This is an incredible deal for a premium made-to-measure suit. Once you go custom, you don't go back. If you found $100 on the street, would you pick it up or keep walking? Of course you'd take the money. So why do you keep picking winners and not betting on them? That's why I go to MyBookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay you when you win. Let's face it, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. Do the smart thing. If you're going to bet this football season, bet with MyBookie. Did you know you could bet on games after kickoff? If by the second half it looks like your bet is going to lose, you can always just take the other side. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings. And no matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of year. Join now and MyBookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code BLUEWIRE to activate their offer. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Alright, back to the podcast now. And I mentioned it just before, but Antonio Blakeney is no longer a bull. The news just came through the other day that he and the Bulls will be parting ways. So... The Bulls are electing to get rid of his guaranteed contract, which was kind of surprising to me because it's not something they typically do. They don't like to leave guaranteed money on the table. It's certainly something (laughs) uh, the Reinsdorfs don't like doing. But 
Yeah, Antonio Blakely no longer on the roster kind of makes sense. The, the team needed to get to 15 guaranteed contracts, and I guess this is one way to do it. And uh, Antonio Blakely is now gone, so I'm not necessarily against that. I certainly wasn't an Antonio Blakeney fan. He, just the way he played just irritated me endlessly. But um, <laughs> having said all that, Dave, how, how did you feel about Blakeney as a player, and um, will, you, will you feel his loss at all? Um. Well, first of all, while you were saying that, I'm sitting here pumping my fist because, yeah, <laughs> I was I was happy that he was gone. Seriously. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, man, like everything you said is, is correct. I just completely agree with that because Antonio Blakeney last year, I, I had a nickname I came up for, with him, for him, I should say, and that, and that was going up because every time he came in the game, that ball was going up. It didn't matter what was happening. I don't care if you're up by 20, down by 20. Needed a shot. Antonio Blake, it was going up, okay? I don't care where he was shooting it from, but it was getting shot, period. That ball was going into the air. How do you have more shot attempts than passes? Like, that's that that's insane to me. Like, that he that's insane. Like, you know, not even assist, passes. You know, like, that's, <laughs> that's, that's crazy. You know what I'm saying? Like, giving the ball to someone else. Like, that's a, a normal basketball thing that you do. And, I mean, he liked to shoot the ball, but he didn't shoot it well. I don't mind you liking to shoot the ball. I don't mind you wanting to go ISO. You want to do that? Great. Carmelo Anthony made a career of it. I mean, and a bunch of other players. But if it doesn't go in, then we have a problem. And that is the issue. The ball would not go in the hole. Now, and it just magnified his other shortcomings on the court. You know, not not knowing where to be on the defensive end. Um, not playing really great defense either. You know, like, there are so many Antonio Blakeney uh, missteps. I mean, I'm sure there are, like, things on YouTube you can go watch and just watch him mess up, along with, like, a Cameron Payne being terrible montage. You can watch the same thing as far as Antonio Blakeney. Now, the problem is he would have flashes, and he would have flashes where you were like, okay, all right, I can see something like that. Because Chris, my my, my uh, podcast partner on Ball on Bulls, always says he doesn't like getting rid of people who can create their own shot. Now, I feel him on that, but if you create your own shot and you miss it, it doesn't matter. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you're shooting 30% from the field, you know, it doesn't matter. Like, you're only hurting your team, you know, when you're doing things like that. When you're not hitting that open man who's cutting and you don't see that, it, you know, those things don't matter. If you're not showing the coach that you're working on your game and you want to be in the game and you want to play and not just saying, no, I'm playing this way and that's it. And I don't know if that was said. I'm just, it felt that way. You know what I'm saying? It just felt that way to me yeah. when I would watch yep. him play. Like, nope, I'm doing this way. When everybody's saying, no, bro, like, you should try this one out. Like, don't do that. Nope, nope, still going to do it this way. You know what I mean? Like, it just felt like that to me. So, and that's why, he, you know, because he was in the doghouse for a while um, with Coach Boylan. So, yeah, when I heard he was gone, I was, I was like, bet, good, fine, get him out of here. It's okay because he doesn't hurt anything on, on this team. Uh, in my opinion, he doesn't. He didn't hurt anything going forward. I don't feel we were gonna. We lost anything, or you know, I think we more gained something. You know, just by him not being there. You know, now I'm like, okay, bet I, I gained a roster spot. You know what I'm saying? Like it's a spot open. I can get somebody in there. Let's try somebody else out. See if they could do it like that. Now he was in the G League. He was killing people. You know what I'm saying? Like he was awesome. He was G League MVP. Like he scoring leader. I'm saying. I'm sorry. He was the scoring champion in the G League like you couldn't stop him from scoring because he was the best player on the court and that's fine but in the NBA you know what I'm saying nine times out of ten you're not going to be the best player on the court and he wasn't you know even off the bench he wasn't the best player on the court but in his mind he was 
And so he was going to play that same kind of way because that's the way that got me here. And that's hard for a player to turn off. You know what I'm saying? So I, I'm understanding of that. But the problem is, bro, it, it wasn't working. It just simply wasn't working. The shots weren't good. The shot selection wasn't good. Uh, the recognition of the game within the game wasn't good. So, yeah, I have no problem with him being out of here. I'm cool with it. Going up can go home. I'm, I'm all right with it. I hope he lands somewhere else. I really do. All good points, and I completely agree with them all. It, I do feel like it is an addition by subtraction, and it's funny because we spent the good portion of the show talking about the, the need for wings that this Bulls team has, and I guess Antonio Blakeney, I guess, is that. <laughs> he is a wing, but at the same time, we sound contradictory to the point where we're saying we're fine with a wing being off the roster, but for all the reasons <laughs> why you mentioned, it makes complete sense. So yeah. I'm I'm okay with this news. I, I kind of feel bad because I'm sure he's a good guy and all that, but I didn't want him on this roster. And I think a large part of basketball is just... The team that has the, the the most smartest guys in the room is often the team that wins. I mean, there's obviously mm. more to basketball than just that, but it felt like last season that the Bulls were carrying too many low IQ players, and unfortunately, Antonio Blakeney, his game style is that. And I mean, to your point, the guy liked to jack up shots, and he had as many field goals as passes, as he sort of mentioned there. He had actually, yeah, the, the ratio between his passes and field goals is actually Crazy. ridiculous. Crazy, <laughs> so, yeah, him not being on the roster is actually productive, and I don't want to spend too much more time on Antonio Blakeney because he probably doesn't deserve it, to be honest with you. But <laughs> I I guess it was some noteworthy news in September for the Bulls that he will be gone off the roster. The roster spots, in terms of guaranteed rosters, will go down from 16 to 15. So the Bulls kind of look locked in for their roster spots at this point. I mean, we can talk about the fact that maybe they should have another wing on this roster. Maybe maybe Shaq Harrison or Archie Diakono or someone else could have been a wing. But, I mean, we've done, it. We've done and dusted that topic to death at this point. But... I guess the, the news is that Antonio Blakeney is gone and the fact that you mentioned that he was a leading scorer at one point, obviously in the G League, but that right. sort of segues into the next point that I wanted to make, which was around Zach Levine. And there was an interesting article, Dave, that I'm pretty sure that you caught on The Ringer there where DJ Foster of The Ringer actually posited the idea that Zach Levine could potentially be the NBA scoring champion next season. So for the for the listeners who haven't gone out and read that, I would recommend you do so because it was an interesting read. And DJ put forth his reasons as to why that may be in the cards for Zach Levine. But I wanted to bring that topic here and discuss it more broadly on the podcast. But Dave, what did you think about that article up on the ringer about Zach potentially being the scoring leader of the NBA next season. It seems like a, a pretty big deal. Yeah. For me, it was definitely a big deal for one, just to have the bulls on a positive recognition, you know what I'm saying? By yeah. A on a national platform. Yeah, as well. exactly. Exactly. Just to have something positive being said about the Chicago bulls. I was very excited about that because usually that, that is not the case. And sometimes rightfully so. Um, but when I saw it and I thought about it, I said, that's not completely insane. You know, I could kind of see where it's coming from. I don't agree with it. I don't I don't think it'll happen. Um, I think, uh, you know, you're looking at James Harden, you know, and I'm sure that because I, I didn't read the entire article, but I'm sure that maybe part of his reasoning is, you know, James is playing with Russell Westbrook and things like that, you know, so that might, you know, kind of counteract or something like that. But Zach Levine leading league in scoring 
I don't know if that means that Lloyd Marketing is going to do what I want him to do this year. Yeah, yeah. And I, I just don't know. You know, I'm not going to – because I, I can't say if it's a good or bad thing. I can't. But I just – I will simply say I don't know because I plan – in my head, Mark, now this is just me talking, I want Lloyd Marketing to be the best player on this team. I think we go as far as Lloyd Marketing goes. Like his game and the way he plays. Like when Zach scores 40 – for me, it is not as impactful as when I see Laurie score 35 and 12. You know what I'm saying? Or yeah, Laurie yeah. scores yep. 28 and, and, and 15. Because when Laurie gets the ball in the post, oh, he's going to the foul line. Like, he's getting calls. Zach doesn't get those same calls. You know, you see him complain about it all the time. But when Laurie's in that post and he make those moves, he that whistle blows and he goes to the line and he's a really excellent free throw shooter. And that slows the game down. You know what I'm saying? That gives you time to set up on the defensive end when that ball comes back in. It gives you time to set up your half-court deep, whatever you want to do. And Boylan is, you know, loves defense and things like that. So playing through him, I think, actually helps the Bulls. Now, and I'm and it's ridiculous to say right now for me because Zach Levine is incredible. <laughs> Zach Levine is <laughs> awesome, man. Like, he is just great to watch. Like, how can you not want to watch somebody like that be great on his team? And how do you tell somebody to that is that good to say, you know what, kind of pull back a little bit on it? Um, We I, we had a guest also on our pod uh, from Finland, Coach uh, Christian Paloty, and he kind of was touching on the same thing about that because we were asking about Laurie, and he said, well, he thinks Zach should kind of scale it back a little bit because of the offense he thinks that Sadoransky is going to be running, and, you know, with Laurie. Because Laurie, if you notice that, watch Laurie's game, Laurie cuts, you know what I'm saying? So if you find Laurie when he's cutting, that, that's an easy two points all the time. And Sadoransky will find you, you know what I'm saying, when he's cutting. Zach just, like, give me the ball. You know what I'm saying? Like, give me yeah. the ball. Let me be great. And there's nothing wrong with that because when you give him the ball, he shines. He does his thing. But I don't know if it helps or hurts this team yet. You know what I'm saying? But because I want to see it in action and I want to see um, how it works and how it plays together. Um, Zach Levine leading the league in scoring. I'm going to just say, yeah, I'm with it because there's something positive about the Chicago Bulls. And it's not completely insane thought because he scores at a very high clip shoots at a really great percentage, really great three-point shooter. He really is. But some sometimes some of his basketball decisions that I have issues with, but that's but that's, you know, something else. But as far as scoring, he's got arguably even if not top 3, he top 2 quickest first steps in the NBA. Cuz when he makes that move on his first step, I have yet to see anybody stop him. When he goes, when he at that top of the key and he makes that first step and he's gone, you either going to foul him or he's going to score. Period. But the problem is it's just not going to happen enough times, you know what I'm saying, in the game uh, for him to do that because teams are going to obviously catch on and, you know, going to double-team him. And Zach does have a tendency to turn that basketball over. Uh, we saw it a lot in the fourth quarter. Like, for some reason, the fourth quarter, he just likes turning the basketball over. It's, it's how it happened. So uh, do I want to see it? Sure. If I want to see Zach being leading scoring, yes. I'm not going to say no to a player on my team being the best scorer in the NBA. Will it be conducive to my team winning? That I don't totally know yet. That I don't totally know. I just want to see it in action, and it's only strictly because I want to see what it is with Laurie, with Otto, and with Wendell, what that's going to look like first. So, No, I mean, they're all good points, but that, I, this is where we kind of diverge and where our 
general mindsets. I think it's it's an interesting, it's it's a nice little microcosm of how we think about things a little bit differently. And this is why I wanted to have you on because you do bring that different view to me. And I think that's, it's good for me to hear because initially when I sort of saw the headline and even after I read the article, I was like, I don't know if I want Zach Levine leading the team in scoring or being, not necessarily leading the team in scoring, but being the leading scorer in the NBA because mm. I do have some serious questions about what that means for the rest of the team. And my initial thought when I saw that headline was, oh, did, did Larry Markkinen get injured or did Otto Porter get injured or <laughs> what went wrong for Zach to be able to shoot that many times for him to average 30 points? And mm. that's not necessarily a knock on Zach because I thought he had a great season last year and was super efficient in a terrible offense and didn't really yes. have those offensive pieces around him to help him even. So I, I guess there is scope for him to be a better scorer next season or the upcoming season given that he'll just be playing with better players. But to your point, I kind of, I kind of don't like this spread. I, I just wonder what that means for Larry Markham. But here's a take for you, and it's something that I'm, it's something I'm workshopping, and something that I might be bringing out a little bit more uh, during this season. But I understand that a lot of Bulls fans see Markham as that primary offensive piece, and I think that's completely reasonable to to view that view him as that or hope for him to grow into that. But at some point, does, doesn't Larry need to take that away from Zach Levine rather than Zach just handing that to Larry Markin? Because my biggest issue with Markin at this point is that he's not he's not aggressive enough for me. And I think he sort of sits back and just lets, lets things unfold to a degree that you probably don't want from a primary option. Whereas Zach, to his credit, I guess goes out there and tries to tries to be that lead alpha guy. And I guess that creates its problems in itself. But in my opinion, I think Larry needs to, to take that mantle from Zach rather than Zach handing it over to him. But uh, what do you think about that? Wow, that is a great question. Um, taking it from him or handing it over? Because I don't think Zach is going to hand anything. It doesn't need you know to be hostile, by the way. I'll put yeah, that yeah. I'll put that yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I know what you're saying. But I get what you're saying. <laughs> because that, I, that's not in Lori. But it's, 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 I don't think it's in Lori Markin's nature to just be like, I'm the man. I'm the best player on the team. That's it. I don't think yeah. that's in his nature. And there's nothing wrong with that. I just think that's a product of, of how he grew up and the style of game that he plays. He's a yeah. kind of a team-oriented kind of guy. Yeah. And he wants to pass the ball. And you see that when he's out there. Like, he's just finding the, the right space to be in. And then when the ball goes up, he's going to the bucket to try to get the rebound. Like, you just see that, you know what I'm saying, when, he, when he's playing and things like that. So, yeah, but I want him to be that guy. You know, I want him to be that man. And – I can't tell Zach Levine, the dude who wants to be the man and who's did a pretty solid job of it to tone tone it down a little bit. And, and you've seen the workout. Like, Zach is coming for blood. You know, like, Zach is like, nope, I want to be on that level and be mentioned with everybody else. And Lori is just like, sure. You know, <laughs> he's like, sure, why not? Uh, okay, if it's if it happens, sure. Because he he's team oriented and he wants the ball to move and and things like that. If if you ever watched Laurie, you know overseas games and things like that, which is when I really kind of fell in love with Laurie Marketing was watching him overseas. Yeah, it it clicked for him there that he was the man, and it I don't I don't know what changed and what what happens because of that. Maybe because well he did have a really great point guard on their team, um, but he would get that ball and I mean he would score on you. And he would talk to you about it. He would tell you he was scoring on you. He's going up dunking on people. Like, he was just making those plays. I was just like, oh, my goodness. Like, yes, give me this human being. And you saw it in that February. You know what I'm saying? That that wonderful month of February that he had when he was averaging 26 and 12. 
I mean, he just kind of got it. He's like, yeah, okay, I get it. And now part of that also was his coach flew over from Finland and, and was with Lori during that month of February. He, he spent some time with Lori and, and I guess told him a couple things. But it didn't totally click for him, you know, the rest of the season and, and maybe his injury or what. I don't know. I don't know. But this year I need to see February and October. You know what I'm saying? I need to see it in November, December, and all these other months coming up because the jury's still out on him, and rightfully so, people are have the jury out on him and aren't, you know, over the moon about him yet as as much as I am, and as, you know, I'm sure as much as most Bulls fans are. But I think, man, he I think for them to be that kind of team, bro, like he has to be the dude. He has to be that guy that I'm like, okay, Lori, take us to the promised land. Now and and it's it's so strange to say because you you have Zach Levine you know what I'm saying like you have this kind of guy who won games for you Zach Zach provided me with two of my greatest moments in the past two years and that was both when they beat uh, Jimmy Butler and <laughs> uh, the Timberwolves and when they beat Jimmy Butler in Philly he yeah. had incredible games yeah like he knew the moment was huge and he loved it. And he couldn't, he was reveling in it. And he loved every second of it. I think he scored 37 in that first one and like 40 in the second one. And hit the game winner in both of those games. Like, it was, oh man, dude. So, I know how much he wants to be that guy and how much he wants to show. But man, dude, it's just, it's something about Laurie, man. It's something about his kind of play and his kind of freakish style that he brings to the game. A dude that big, that can shoot like that that has that kind of basketball IQ is is really, really rare to find, man. You know, it's super rare to find, and I want to harness it and see, you know, if he is that guy. And that's that's why this year is so important. So, yeah, man, that's it's, that's a great question, though, bro. That's a really great question. Yeah, I'm look, I mean, everyone wants to see Larry be great, and I certainly want to see him do that. But I think that was the encouraging thing about February. Forget about the results. The team went 500 during that 10-game stretch. That was impressive in itself. Otto looked great. Obviously, that helped unlock things. But two things that made that month so good, and you sort of touched on both, was we did get a La- an aggressive version of Larry that month. That's why he put up the 26-12, and 12, and that's why he looked like the man. But more importantly... He and Levine coexisted very well to the point where Zach was kind of happy sort of getting uh, getting Larry involved in the game. Yeah, so yeah. I think that was the more, most encouraging part of Feb- that February sample, the fact that they those two as a unit were able to combine and work together pretty seamlessly and that hierarchy of who was the primary guy, who wasn't, didn't necessarily exist. And mm. I guess... That's what that, I want Larry to be that Larry. I want that Larry to take those sh- shots away from Zach because I don't think Zach's the kind of guy that's going to necessarily fight against it, particularly if someone like Markman's making the Bulls a better team, which I think I think Zach unfortunately gets some negative press at this point where oh, people yeah. see him as a selfish player. And, and I guess his offensive style can be selfish to a degree, but there's a big difference between being maybe a, a selfish offensive player and then being a selfish teammate. And I don't, I don't think he's the latter, so... I guess I just want to see Larry take that mantle from Zach before Zach necessarily arrests it at this point. Yeah, and and to add to that, another thing that happened in February was Otto Porter Jr. Yeah. And when you bring in a guy who, again, like I said earlier, recognizes, you know what I'm saying, mismatches and recognizes uh, where Laurie and Zach need to be and gets them the ball and knows where to be and, and is actually a threat. So you can't leave him, you know, you have to, you know, be on him, which 
what does it do? It opens up the lane. You know, it makes the things a little bit easier. You can't double team off of certain guys. And his basketball IQ for me is is not talked about enough because the way he can see, you know, his vision and the way he can see things happening on the court, you know, three steps ahead, three plays ahead. He he has that because I saw him do it, especially in that February. It happened. And so I'm just excited. That was huge. That was a huge part of it, man, because he's okay being that guy who will sit out there and, you know, and take those shots and shoot those threes and hit them too, of course, and score 18 a game. But he's also very good at running uh, an offense and recognizing mismatches and knowing where someone needs to be. And that couldn't be understated in that month of February. And that's the reason that those Bulls teams look better because their struggles were at the point guard position and guys who, you know, couldn't, you know, step up to that kind of role that, that you needed, you know, that kind of IQ role that you needed, uh, like Otto Porter Jr. had. So that's what's going to be huge about uh, going into this year, man, especially with the moves they made at that position. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you mentioned Otto Porter and the fact that he's a smart player. And we talked about it before, the fact that you need the smartest guys in the room to often win a basketball game. And yes. I guess I just want to close on the Bulls' newest addition, Tomas Sadoransky, who has been doing some things over in the FIBA World Cup. We talk about smart players. We talk about guys that are going to help guys like Lowry, Zach Levine. Obviously, Otto Porter was that, but Sadoransky himself is going to be a great addition to the team because of everything we sort of just talked about, the fact that he can play multiple positions, the fact that he's a smart, capable player and knows and understands how to get his teammates involved. But in the World Cup, for the Czech Republic, it's been more about him being that lead guy. We spent the last couple of minutes talking about Zach and Lowry being the lead guy of the Bulls. Obviously, Sadoransky won't be that for Chicago, but he has been that for his Czech side in the World Cup, and he has been absolutely balling. So mm-hmm. I just wanted to close on that, give him giving him some love because he's taken that Czech Republic team into the second round. It's probably They've probably gone further than what many had hoped they would or expected they would, and he's right. been absolutely insane in, in the World Cup. He's averaging 16 points, 7 assists, almost 6 rebounds, a couple steals, shooting 50% from the three. So mm-hmm. I know he hasn't played a game yet for the Chicago Bulls, Dave, but I wanted to close and just give some hype to, uh, to Sadoransky because I know he hasn't played a game yet, but I kind of get the feeling that this might be one of the best signings during the Garth Pax era. I know I'm going with that maybe a little too early, but uh, that's kind of how I feel. Yo, when I saw, I, who was, I think I saw Ricky O'Donnell said this is like the second greatest free agent signing already, <laughs> but like by Thad Young. And I'm like, dude, we had, an, we had, we had Paul Gasol's all NBA. Like, come on now. Like, like, let's not be completely crazy, but I feel you. I feel the excitement and I get that because I was happy when we got him also because, you know, I, I, I'd watched him, you know what I'm saying? A lot. Like when we watched Bulls Outsiders, we would get feed from Washington, a lot of Washington games and, he would stand out like all the time, like because I, I, the point guard is my favorite position. It's my favorite position in basketball. It's like it's like the quarterback, you know what I mean? And if you have a great point guard, I always think you can win. You know what I'm saying? Like you you're all right. You you'll at least be in the playoffs because he will outthink your opponent. You know, it's, he'll he'll play that chess match. And watching Sadoransky play, what I liked about him is one, he knows where to be on the floor. Two, he's tall. He understands he's tall. <laughs> you know, and three, he's not afraid. You know, and he and the angles that he takes to get to the bucket have always impressed me because he understands his shortcomings. Like, okay, I might not have the great greatest handles in the world, and you know, I might not have that speed when I'm creating my own shot, but I know how to contort and use my body and take this kind of angle to get to the bucket. And he knows where people are on the court when he's making that move to the bucket. Now, 
you saw it in I saw, you know, the quick clip that was going around of the, you know, when he dropped 20, what do you have, 27 and five or something like that. And like three steals today uh, against playing uh, Felicio's team in Brazil. Yeah, With I that guess we upset, should mention Felicio. <laughs> well, yeah, I only mention him just to say it. Like, yeah. that's the last time you're going to hear me say his name. No, please. fair enough. <laughs> so playing that team, he made a pass. Everybody was excited about the scoring, but he made a pass and a pass to the post player that was just the most beautiful pass. And I rewound it like six times. And I'm telling people around, telling my friend around me, like, dude, look at that pass. Like, did you see how do you see that entry pass? He just threw him. That is that is great. Like, that is great recognition. And the way he put it, where he put it, all the dude could do was lay it in. You know what I'm saying? Like he couldn't do anything else but just put it into the bucket. Like it was that good of a pass. I was like, okay. I see where you, you're going to fit in with Laurie already. Like, you see where he's going to fit in and how he's going to help. And you see, you know how he's going to find guys like Zach and Otto Porter Jr., you know, and recognize who's open. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's that's all I've been lacking at a point guard position is, man, can you please recognize who's open on the floor? Can you please recognize mismatches and do those little kind of things? And watching him in Washington do that, and, I mean, he had a – I can't remember if he had two triple-doubles last year, but I, he definitely had, you know, balled out against us if you saw that game. He definitely yeah, was killing us killed that game. Balls. Oh, my goodness, man. He, <laughs> he was something, man. He was balling out. That's probably when they signed him. Like, yeah. that day, they signed him in their head. They were like, he signed. We got him. He's he's going down. So, and, yeah, I just think he's a very, very good player. And just being that size that he is, you know, makes it easy. Like, okay, play the two. And his basketball IQ and already seems like, you know, I'll do whatever the team needs. Like, you need me to play this? Okay, bet. I'll do that. Okay, you need to play this? Okay, bet. I'll do that. And I also feel that's good for guys like Kobe White to see because um, he can help him recognize things on the court. Like, that's those are the things I like, man. Like, And, again, having Chris Fleming there will also be a help, you know what I'm saying, Let, to help him uh, run that offense and do things like that. So he's going to be very, very important. I'm excited to watch him. I really, really am excited to watch him play and the chemistry he develops and who he develops the chemistry with. Because in my head, it's going to be Laurie Marketing. Uh, if it ends up being Widow Carter Jr., I don't have a problem with that at all. If he was in Zach, cool. But in my head, it's Laurie just because of Laurie's you know, style. They both have those international games. So they could probably speak a kind of language on the court that the other guys, you know, won't understand. And I don't mean verbally. I just mean a basketball language yeah. that they can speak on the court. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think he's going to be a great addition to this team. And like I said, I probably went a little bit early to it. Hopefully I haven't jinxed it, but I think this signing is going to be a damn good one. And uh, yeah, just a shout out to Sato for what he's doing in the World Cup. It hasn't gone unnoticed. And uh, there isn't too many bulls over there at the moment, but he's one of them and he's he's been great for the, for the Czech Republic. So I wanted to close on that happy note. Obviously, we had some um, some tough things to talk about at the top, but Dave, I appreciate you coming on, man, and giving me your view. It's like I said from the from the top. I I wish I had done this a lot earlier, but I thank you for coming on Bulls HQ and giving me your thoughts. But uh, before you get away, tell the people where they can follow you online. They probably already know anyway, but give it to them one more time. Well, first of all, Mark, thank you for having me on this show, man. I've definitely been a fan of you because I know Fred. So watching watching you and Fred go back and forth on Twitter is one of the greatest things I've ever seen. Uh, I can't wait. I can't wait till he puts this jersey on. Oh, if he does it. Dude, the Fred I know is a man of his word, and he keeps saying the end of summer, and the end of summer is like September 21st. So he ain't done it by then. 
I, I personally will get on him. I promise you that. Yeah. I've been silent until then. But yeah, I'm gonna need some help with that. Yeah. yeah, I got. Trust me. When after September 21st, I'm on him. I promise you. <laughs> I promise you. Yes, sir. But um, you could definitely check me out uh on our podcast uh Ball on Bulls. That's B A W L Ball on Bulls. We you have to say it like Avery Johnson is saying it. You know, that's how we say it. Like, there's, no, there's no way I can say it like that. Oh, <laughs> trust me. Everybody says that. And then I'm like, just tap into your inner Southern person. Like, you tap into your inner Avery Johnson. <laughs> trust me. It, it will come out, sir. It will come out. But Ball on Bulls, uh, you can check us out at ballsports.com. The podcast is wherever you listen to podcasts. We're there, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, wherever you listen to podcasts. We're on there. And follow us on Twitter at ball sports you can follow me on twitter at ball sports and chris is at ball sports one on twitter and our instagram is also ball sports and you can check us out on bulls outsiders with myself my man matt and my man john doing bulls outsiders uh this season on nbc sports chicago for sure i can't wait till you guys are back and when you guys are back that means the bulls basketball is back and that is not long actually it's only a few weeks away as bulls fans so dave i'm looking forward to what you guys on the outsiders and on ball what you've got coming up as the season progresses but mate like again thanks for coming on this was a lot of fun i appreciate your optimism the same c rib fred i uh enjoyed this conversation thank you very much man now i'm gonna go go up and uh listen to some akadaka <laughs> good, good, good work mate good work but uh, yes, we'll, we'll do it again during the season thanks again appreciate you bro alright Bulls fans that just about does it for this episode of the show hopefully you enjoyed this one with Big Dave I definitely did he's uh, he's, he's great to have on he's that, that excitement that positive optimism that's what I love him for so thank you for Dave for coming on to Bulls HQ but in the meantime Bulls fans jump online and follow me on Twitter at MKHoops follow the show Bulls HQ pod if you've got an email that you want to drop me, I've got a new email for the show. It's bullshqpod at gmail.com. If you've got some suggestions for the show, some ideas for the show, or just want to have a long-form conversation away from Twitter, just drop me an email. I'm happy to do that. But like I said, we're getting closer to the NBA season, which is crazy to think about. Once this World Cup is wrapped up and done, we're literally at training camp and preseason. So not long now, Bulls fans. So we're getting excited about that, I'm sure. I think we all are ready for the Bulls to be back at this point because we know this season is going to be a good one, at least. Well, fingers crossed. That's, well, I won't put the jinx on it. But as the season rolls around, obviously there'll be more episodes of Bulls HQ. So tune in as the show is filtered through on all your podcasting apps. Obviously be on the lookout for that online too but thank you for joining me on this episode of the show we'll be back again next week but until then this has been bulls hq thank you for listening bulls fans Rose Davis, historian and co-host of the sports podcast, Burn It All Down. And now I'm hosting the new season of American Prodigy, all about Black girls in gymnastics. For the last 40 years, Black gymnasts have moved from the margins to the core of the sport and changed gymnastics along the way. Now, they tell their stories. You'll meet trailblazers like Diane Durham, superstars like Jordan Childs, and everyone in between. Listen to American Prodigies on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.